come into being. Its purpose is enlightenment. Its product is Coast Boys Pod. Known as the playground of the stars. Yes, yes. Welcome back to the Best Coast Boys podcast. I am Landon McCool. You can catch me on this podcast here as you're listening to me, obviously. Uh, but also, you can catch me on Locked On Cowboys with Marcus Mosier. And I am, as always, joined by my co host, John Owning. John, say what's up to the people. How's it going, everybody? John Owning here. As always, follow me at Twitter at John Owning, J O H N O W N I N G. Keep it locked. Yeah, I'm going to have a, my first article of the season coming out at the end of this week for thescore.com. Looking forward to it. Hopefully, you guys like it as well. Landon, what are we jumping into today? We got a lot of stuff, John. You know, it's we got we have to kind of go over what we saw in the blue white scrimmage, and I've you know I've got some more notes from my days at training camp. We're just gonna roll that into one big blob of Cowboys, you know, silver and blue Cowboys information that we're gonna ball up and throw at your earballs. Uh, and then after that, we're gonna do a quick preview of uh, the the preseason game number one against San Francisco, which is happening, uh, you know. Basically, by the time you hear this podcast, we'll be 24 hours away from a Cowboys football, which is just absolutely insane now that I say that out loud. so uh, And then at the end of the show, we're going to do our first of many nerd alerts, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit uh, about some uh, professional pe- people that were paid to beat each other with their fists uh, and choke each other out. So that is definitely uh, going to be a, a John-owning special you know, yes, sir. I'm kind ready. of just basically you informing the rest of us and and me as a very UFC layperson, uh, what exactly is going to go news. on? Big, big news. Big news. Big news. I have no idea how big this news is. <laughs> uh, I, I that's about it though. Let's 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 stop all the BS and let's get into this uh, Cowboys football talk, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, the blue and white scrimmage. Camp notes, all these things wrapped into one. Uh, John, where do you want to start with all this? Because it just seems like it's a lot of information. So uh, you get la- ladies' choice where we get to start. I think the biggest one, the, at least the play that sticks out in my mind from watching was Tavon Austin pulling, grabbing that ball right off the top of Traverius Ward's helmet. It was really nice to see Tavon Austin, despite giving up such a big height disadvantage, go up and win the ball vertically against somebody who's much taller than him longer than him but he still used timing he used late eyes he used late hands and he showed that you don't have to be super tall and have that prototypical size to be able to win vertically in the passing game yeah and i guess you know that that kind of just speaks into the the larger conversation about dak and the deep passing game and uh you know a a lot of uh seemingly a lot of hand-wringing going on about uh you know dak and, and 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 where he is with the with the deep pass and you know, look, I think, is it where it needs to be? I don't think anyone is suggesting that. But at the same time, I think there are people that are kind of suggesting that it should be further along than it is. And I and I, you know, I think when you put in the context of what Dak's having to adjust to, new wide receivers, uh, wide receivers who are dealing with new wide receiver coach, you know, I think I think the, the deep ball, which is something that he has been working on anyways, I, I think to me that's going to be, you know, the, the last thing – maybe on the team that's going to start, you know, developing. 
as far as how long it takes for that chemistry to develop. And and I think that what you've seen, you know, even just if you kind of generally look, last week it seemed like he was underthrowing some of those deep passes. This week it felt like he was overthrowing some of them. So I, I think that, you know, to me that feels like calibration. That feels like he's, you know, trying to, trying to get it out. And it's just going to be about getting reps with these guys finding out how each one of them runs the nine route and, and, and where to put e- the ball for each guy. And I think you know, that's just probably going to have to come with time, I think. So uh, what are your thoughts on that? And what else kind of uh, generally uh, you, you want to chat about with, with all this? Channeling the Cowboys is probably biggest enemy in the past decade. Aaron Rodgers, everybody needs to relax. <laughs> Dak Prescott, you know, when like you said, everything you said was right, spot on. When you have new receivers and you have a new receivers coach, you're kind of putting in new concepts to the offense. You're, he's got to calibrate for their speed, their height, their pacing. You know what they do, what their reactions are to certain coverages, and all of that. It's going to take him a while to be able to calibrate that. And it's not like Dak Prescott was the most accurate passer in in the world coming into the season. You know, I talked here, I think, on our first episode about how his lower body gives him issues with accuracy. And when you already have a guy that has a little bit of issues with accuracy, you add into the fact that he's unfamiliar with his weapons for the most part. It's going to lead to what we've been seeing, him being inaccurate, them being miscommunications, him being overthrowing, underthrowing, trying to calibrate that perfect distance for each guy. So it's going to be something that right now, not worried at all. But if it's something that creeps up towards, you know, week three, four, five, six, and he's continuing to be really inaccurate on those deep balls, then I'll start being worried. And I think, you know, just to kind of further quell, on the medium routes, on even the kind of, medium to deep routes like the the 20 to 25 yard range i still think he's look he looks good i've seen him you know making these throws he's been really accurate on the short and and middle stuff on the intermediate kind of you know deeper middle stuff he's still been really good it's it's really just the deep the the nine routes down the field and getting the timing on where to put those balls for each one of these guys as they they make their ways down the field and again it's not even just different wide receivers it's in different wide receiver coach who's teaching them different things it's different body types you know he's he's he does Bryant is definitely not the same guy as Tavon Austin you know and or Cole Beasley and some of these guys these guys who are going down the field uh are are not exactly the same sort of body type that he's used to so that is going to be you know all part of this calibration process and you're right like if we get into that you know a quarter of the season and he's still hasn't shown improvement, then obviously that's, that's something to worry about. But I think that he's shown improvement just in the two weeks of camp. So I have, I have uh, you know, hopes that that is just going to continue to develop and progress as he has more experience. Um, what else? What are, you, what are your thoughts? I mean, on the other side of this, uh, you know, I feel like we've seen two weeks of this now. Outside of you know obvious deficiencies at, at defensive tackle due to you know injury uh, and and you know uh, health mental health and emotional health issues with Irving, like do you think I, I'm actually starting to believe that this defense is actually pretty good? You know I, I think that they have a, a young group of defensive backs, all of which who have seemed to have been playing pretty well so far. Uh, you know, I think we've seen a lot of good things from Byron Jones. We've seen a lot of good things from Chidobe Awuzie. I think, you know, we're seeing a really good battle between Jordan Lewis and, and Brown, who is definitely not just walking away from that spot. He's, you know, he's out there making plays in practice. 
I, I think you've seen, you know, uh, uh, Heath in the back in the defensive backfield making plays, you know, getting his hands up all being where he's supposed to be. And Woods, you know, it's like he seems to be doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing. I think it's more just about seeing Woods in the game. But overall, that defensive backfield looks good. You know, you're starting to see J- Jalen Smith do Jalen Smith things. Um, you know, and I think with 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 all the other elements involved, and all it seems like a pretty good deep group of pass rushers. You know, if they can get Irving, uh, if they can get uh, Grady Gregory back going, all these things. You know, as we start to see that some of these things have you know, panned out, and, and you know, maybe hopefully some more things are panning out. How do, how good do you think this defense can be? You know, it's hard for me now because unlike you, I haven't seen, been able to go up to Oxnard and be able to see the practices and be able to see it firsthand. But from what I've seen, you know, off the Twitter videos and what I saw the blue-white scrimmages, I think they have a talented squad, you know, and piecing together the tea leaves from practices. You know, not hearing a lot about what Xavier Woods is doing is a good thing for a guy who's playing safety. You don't want to hear – the only time you're going to hear about them in scrimmages are when they're getting beat, you know, getting tested a lot. It doesn't seem like Xavier Woods is – getting beat a lot he's not being mentioned a ton and I think that's one of those things that's a good thing just like an offensive lineman that you don't hear talked about a lot throughout the game that's typically a good thing because you only notice those players live when they do something bad and like you said I'm really intrigued by the potential development of Taco Charlton that spin movie hit on Lyle Collins was really nifty I really liked the setup how he came all the way across Lyle's body caused him to set uh to shorten his set so that he can come back outside now his footwork still needs to be cleaned up a little bit you saw those last two gather steps as he's coming around which caught which led to lyle being able to recover a little bit and kind of get in the way of taco in his pursuit of Dak. but that type of setup is something that we didn't see from taco last year and if he can continue to work on his setups and his footwork he can be a guy that's going to have a lot of production coming in that reserve defensive end defensive tackle role and i'm really intrigued by what that's going to do for the cowboys defense what were you going to say i was just going to say i i i agree that i i it's kind of just all these elements of that i think are going to be interesting to to be played together and and i think the one spot where uh you know you and i or everybody really have has got a little bit of worry and concern that they feel like it could be the make or break spot as defensive tackle. And that kind of brings me to uh, another point I wanted to bring up is, you know, for all, despite all the hand wringing going on at defensive tackle, it feels like Antoine Woods and Brian Price have had good training camp so far, have showed us some things. And I, I even think that as of late, we've seen a lot more out of Dayton Jones and, um, and Jihad Ward. So I, I'm not like, you know, bullish on this defensive tackle uh, group yet. But I guess my question is, and, and this will kind of bleed into our game one preview is, you know, what are, how, how bad are, are we at defensive tackle? Do, can these guys uh, operate at such a level that they can help us at least hold on until, you know, Collins comes back, which it doesn't look like he's too far off. He he actually put on practice pads today at practice. Uh and, and, like, you know, if we have to hold off with Antoine Woods and Brian Price as our one-technique combo, you know, what's that going to look like in season, you think? I think it's – if we're going based off what they did in 2017, the Cowboys are definitely devoid of talent there. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Even with Malik Collins back, I don't think they have the necessary talent there. But looking at what they've done so far this offseason – 
and some intriguing flashes that they've shown is I think they can be as good as they were when they had like a guy like Nick Hayden in there. And the defense was actually able to play pretty good for some seasons, if you remember, when Nick Hayden was the one tech. It's not a super important player in this defense. It's just super important that they're not the re- that they're not getting displaced. You don't want the nose tackles in this schemes to get displaced horizontally or vertically. And that was something that was happening too much last season. But it's something that I don't think is as big of a worry with a guy like Antoine Woods, who's that big hulking guy who can hold his ground and create push in the middle. Brian Price is that same type of guy. Like I, I said a lot last year is Brian Price is a guy who's he's on his way toward being a starting caliber nose tackle, especially in a scheme like the Cowboys that don't yeah. value it that much. Because he flashes a ton. You talk about it all every time you bring up his name is how much he flashes. He'll be able to, you know, redistribute offensive linemen against zone really well. He can hold up, he can hold his ground against double teams pretty well against man blocking principles. He does all that pretty well. And then Dayton Jones, I have a soft spot for our future podcast guest, Mr. Dayton Jones. <laughs> I think he gives this give them a little bit of juice and a little bit of explosiveness that the other guys don't have. And I think you'll see him utilize more on passing downs, more on those light downs, light in the box downs, the offensive or maybe spreading out the Cowboys. I think you'll see them use Dayton more, and I think he'll be a valuable asset in that respect. Yeah, and I, I agree. I mean, I, I think that really with the one techniques, I, until we see the game, you know, like, you know, until we see them actually playing against other people, it's kind of tough to judge what we have at one technique. But I, I'm, you know, slightly encouraged by what I've seen so far in practices. I just kind of think I need to see at this point we've seen as much as we can see in practice. We need to see these guys against other bodies just to figure out how good they are. Um, before we get fully into our preseason game preview, I do want to talk about two other guys. Uh, one, one we just spoke about briefly, um, Tavon Austin. We talked about you know him a little bit about uh, the play he made earlier. Um, you know, also in practice the next day, you know, yesterday. They had him finally kind of – well, not finally, I guess. Actually, maybe a little bit ahead of schedule. They had him in uh, the backfield a little bit. They took some handoffs, some reverses. Uh, we've already seen him running some jet sweeps and that sort of thing. You know, keeping all that in mind, what do you think Tavon's impact on the team is going to look like? You know, I mean, do you, I, mean it's, I know we're not necessarily going to – Try to you know fantasy football like calculate his touches or anything like that. But, oh, I but, got a formula uh, for this. Oh, oh boy. Got, well, and please one. lay it out if you've got it. But <laughs> what do you, you know? But what do you think? Where do you think it's it, his fit is in this role at this point? I mean, in this, in this, where do you think his fit is in this team at this point? I, I just it's been very difficult to kind of quantify just based on. He's been like lining up outside. You know, now he's lining up in the backfield. He's taking handoffs. He's catching passes. What what I mean, they clearly are, are serious about getting him a lot of touches, aren't they? Yeah, I think the Cowboys view Tavon Austin as their own Tyreek Hill. I think he's going to be a guy that they're going to move around the formation all over the place. He's going to play in the backfield. Like, as we saw, we've been seeing a little bit of snippets on the last couple practices. He's going to line up in the backfield. He's going to be in the slot. He's going to be out wide. He's going to be doing motion. He's going to be doing those jet reverses. He's going to be doing that jet action. He's just going to be a a mismatched piece that they're going to use all over the field. And I think he's going to be very effective in in that role. I don't think he's going to be Tyreek Hill by any means. But I think he's going to bring an added facet that this offense was missing last year. Yeah, I agree. I think you know Tyreek Hill is an interesting name that you know you started hearing people talk about as as someone that they would use, and and I think it's interesting to me because I I don't know that any of us had the thought process in our head that he would get 
out wide and start running a bunch of uh, of, of routes. I th- you know I thought the idea is that he could, would he would get out there and run some routes, but it seems like the majority of what he's been doing is running routes. And so and, and, and you know he's looked good. You know when he's caught, he's obviously been down the field and caught a couple of deep passes. He's he's caught some slants, and those are dangerous to just get get him with the ball on the move. Um, I you know I think a lot of this probably needs to go to Sanjay Lal and and, and his in his work with him. I think a lot of it too is they were surprised how good of a route runner he was when he came into uh, when he came under the fold. You know after yeah. the draft, I think they had an idea of what he was going to do, and he pleasantly surprised them, and they opened up what he can do. They opened up his package, so to say, even more to yeah. so that he can play on and, the outside and run those vertical concepts. Like that's. Saying. That's what it seems like. I mean, just based on the way it all progressed from them saying he was going to be a web back, and then you know we get to training camp, and suddenly he's only running routes, and he's running a ton of them outside, and, and so it, it was like it became very interesting right away that either they kind of changed their mind about what they're going to do, or they've been hiding it from us. But I, that's interesting that I, I, you know, that that's kind of one of the two thoughts I had is that they got in. Maybe they they got a little bit more than they thought they were. Getting, but Landon, so. this offense doesn't adjust to its players. I thought. Oh well, I've. That's the know, rumor. Maybe, That's the rumor. Maybe I maybe, heard. maybe the rumors are wrong. Maybe they. Were wrong. <laughs> uh, also, Rod Marinelli doesn't teach pass rush moves. Yeah, that's for everybody. That's, that's, that, that's what uh, people tell us. So I I want to talk about uh, Rico because I you know listen I I think that I, I've been you know one of the people that have been out here and saying like. You know, he just it doesn't look good with Rico it doesn't look right and it still doesn't but I, I think that what he's done these last few days has been good right in the spots that he needed to be good like I think that whole period a goal line period uh, whether it was the blocking or the receiving he looked pretty decent and and I think that if he is gonna find a way to make this team to keep developing, he has to find a way to make himself useful enough to be on the forty-six. Like I can't, I can't imagine keeping him on the on the fifty-three, but not having him active. You know, because mm-hmm. the whole point is that if you want to use him as a as a weapon, as a you know a, a part-time weapon, that you actually got to put him on the field to do that. And, and if you're going to be able to put him on the field, then you got he's got to be able to play special teams. He has to be able to block in some way in order to not just be a guy who gets on the field and automatically signals to the defense that we are throwing the ball you know so um he did some things i think that kind of are going to help him there uh but and this will kind of lead into the our preseason game one talk he's going to need a really big game he's going to need a couple of really big games i think uh in order to make a push onto this roster and and even then it's going to be very difficult because of all the already difficult roster decisions it feels like this team is already going to have to make I think for me, for Rico, it comes down to is he just gives you a different look than the other tight ends that they will have on the roster. In my opinion, Jeff Swain, Blake Jarwin, and Dalton Schultz are all kind of similar guys. They're kind of sneaky athletic guys where you want to bring it, play in line that can block a lot of the time. But none of them have that ability to really stretch the seam consistently besides maybe at Blake Jarwin. Yeah, I was going to say. I think Jarwin can do that. I I, I think Jarwin's the guy to do that. I Mm -hmm. don't see. That's my thing. I don't think that Rico can do that. I, I think re- he can do it with his speed, but I think his size and ability to just play like that post-up game that we saw Jimmy Graham use a lot of when he was early on in his days with the Saints. He wasn't when he wasn't that polished of a route runner. Obviously, he's a little bit more of explosive than Rico is, but I think he can. Rico can be similar, 
have not similar effects, but can have effects similar to what Jimmy Graham was doing early on. Not the Jimmy Graham that we all know and love that was, you know, putting up double-digit touchdowns, but the guy early on, I think Rico can be kind of that sort of guy. I I think he the the place where I have started to realize his value is I think he can be a a valuable you know red zone target because of obviously all that and I think that if he can make his way as to find his way to blocking well enough you know extremely useful on goal line as well I I mean I would still much rather have Blake Jarwin as my seam stretcher mm-hmm. and I and I think that. I think for for Rico, if if he's running routes, just because, I, he is just not that he's not that athlete. Like he's just, I, I mean, he's just he he looks like a a, a baby deer running. Like remember he t- when people wanted to move him to the edge where you're supposed to be the most athletic on the field? Uh, and and I I, I want to move him to tackle, yeah. I, you know, because I think that's where probably you know look he's got to learn to block anyway. So mm-hmm. I I think he needs to like. Blocking should be his main focus at this point because the amount of receiving that he's doing, he can do that body position block out thing already. Like he doesn't need to develop any more of that. What he needs to develop is a way to use that body and that physical attitude that he has, that physicality to become a, a, a great blocker. And if he could do that and become just a monster, like, you know, red zone tight end, I, I could find, I could find a way to, make that that skill set work i could find a way to make that put that skill set uh on on my team and and get him a roster spot and blocking is one of the areas where tight ends can improve the most if everybody remembers when james Hanna came to the cowboys he was a he was a turnstile for the most part he came from that oklahoma i think he came from oklahoma correct yeah oklahoma and oklahoma tight ends aren't blocking ever and then, yeah. but he kept working at it year after year, and he actually became arguably the best blocking tight end on the Cowboys roster. So it shows that you can develop that if you work at it enough. And I think Rico has shown that he's working at it a lot. Hopefully, he can continue to improve. Okay, real quick, because there's just not a ton to talk about as far as matchups and all that stuff. So we're not going to do a, a full game preview. Uh, and especially since it's preseason game one, it's like really the questions are who. Who's playing? And I, and I think that, you know, obviously we probably are, may not even see a majority of the starters. I, even I, if I, you see the starters, you're not going to see them for a meaningful amount of time where you can make any, yeah. re- any you know, judgments really based off what they do. It's, this is going to be a, a second and third string type of day. I think what you'll likely see are some guys who could end up, you know, playing some significant snaps uh, at the wide receiver position. Just because they've been rotating these wide receivers all throughout the first and second teams, um, I think that you're going to you know, see some of the interesting parts of the of the of the depth. I think you'll see a lot of Leighton Vanderesh uh, and, and Armstrong. So I think those are the kind of guys that you should be looking at. Is who are these kind of you know? I think that the highest caliber type of player you're going to see is a situational you know starter. You mm-hmm. know, not like that's by probably the the highest rung of, of, you know, cowboy player that's going to make it onto the field on Thursday. Um, so don't expect, you know, Ezekiel to be trying out there in full pads. And I, I doubt Dak even dresses. I, you know, Tyron, I don't think Sean Lee, probably not Lawrence. No way. You know, I just don't think any of those guys are going to suit up. I think it's, you, you'll, you might get so, a, a set of starters for one series, maybe, but I, I wouldn't even count on that to be honest. Yeah, I think I agree. The guy, I, I'm really excited to see jumping into that is 
rookie Dorrance Armstrong, I think he's going to get a lot of run against the San Francisco 49ers. I think they're going to use this first preseason game to give him a lot of snaps and see what he can do on a snap-in, snap-out basis. It's going to be really interesting to see how he uses his length. And are we getting the Dorrance Armstrong from last year at Kansas or the year before? For those of you that don't know, is Dorrance Armstrong two years ago, coming coming into his senior year, was one of the highest regarded edge rushers coming out of coming into his senior year in college football. He was coming off a double-digit sack season or close to double-digit sack season, if I remember correctly. He had the speed. He had the bend that you like. He had incredible length. But then his senior year, his production dropped off. They changed the scheme. It really hindered his ability to be productive as a pass rusher, and it really hurt his draft stock. So are we going to get that guy that they've said they've seen, and that's the junior Dorrance Armstrong, or are we going to get more of the senior, the guy who's not making a lot of plays? I'm really interested to see that. And, and, and if I had to choose a guy that I'm the most excited to see, I, I think it probably would be uh, you know, an extended look at Leighton because I, I think that you know, we've seen good things from Leighton when we've seen him. It's just you know, the, the one thing I, I, I wish – you know, or I don't wish. I mean, the one thing that it's tough to really do uh, is evaluate defensive tackles and linebackers at training camp because they're not taking people to the de- the ground. Uh, when you eliminate the the real pure physical aspects of football like that, the pure physical positions like middle linebacker uh, and defensive tackle are more difficult to kind of evaluate. You know, so we're and and, and at this point those are two key positions for us to evaluate We're, you know, I, I think we might get to see a little bit of Jalen Smith. I don't know, but that should be interesting and exciting for those of you who have yet to kind of really get a full view of what he's looked like since he's taken off the, the uh, brace. That's going to be exciting. Um, and then, uh, you know, identifying the gamers. I think that's the other thing I wanted to go over is that, you know, as much as we try to identify these guys who are showing up in practice Every year, John, every year there is a small group of one or two, maybe three guys who don't show us really anything in, in these in these practices. But when the lights turn on, um, they just shine. And, and I, it just so happens that our quarterback happens to be one of them. Um, but I think that, you know, look out for the guys who maybe they didn't make a huge splash. Maybe they just out there being good and not great in practice. And then suddenly, uh, when the game comes on, uh, those are the guys making the plays. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say I totally agree. It's a really important facet to look for in the preseason that you know people forget about with throughout the training camp, and they everybody talks about how important the practices are and how they are probably how how to weight the practices versus the games. And I think the games are important because you're able to see the gamers, like you said. Yeah, and and I think if anything, what it is is that. You don't discount for the gamers. You just don't discount their average practice. Now you'd be concerned if they're bad practice players and they're only playing playing well in the games. But if they're just not showing out in in practices, but they're just blowing up in games, those are usually pretty good players. You know that just are great when the lights come on. All right, uh, let's move into the very last section. Uh, we'll take it into some nerd alert. All right, John, tell me about uh, – I am a layperson at UFC, so I don't even have to pretend here, right? Like, 
Explain to me the big fight that's happening and why it's important. Ooh-wee, over the weekend, Landon. The UFC announced that on October 6th at UFC 229, Khabib Nurmagomedov is going to face off against Conor McGregor for the lightweight title, which is 155 pounds. For you who don't know, this is the biggest fight that can be made in mixed martial arts right now. Conor McGregor's coming off that Floyd Mayweather fiasco that you call a boxing match where, you know, MMA fighter coming up and going and fighting the arguably the best boxer of all time, pound for pound, Floyd Mayweather. Didn't go well for him. He got knocked out, but it increased his profile even more. And then Khabib, he's coming off of a beatdown of Al Iaquinta from New York. He beat him down, took him down, did his... Did his thing that he does in every match, and that's his suffocating, suffocating takedown ability, his wrestling, and his grappling. Conor McGregor is, a, is the most lethal striker in the sport of MMA, and it's going to be a really fun battle of Khabib trying to take Conor McGregor to where his strength is, which is the ground, and McGregor trying to stay up long enough so that he can land his powerful left hand and shut off Khabib's lights. It's going to be a really interesting fight. Have you heard of either one of these guys, Lennon? Oh, yeah, I've heard of Conor McGregor for okay, sure. Okay, thank you. Yeah, okay, of course. I'm glad you at least heard him. No, yeah, yeah. So, so let me ask you, because I know you're a jiu-jitsu guy, right? Yes, so sir. Are you more – are you predicated to, like, rooting for the uh, the grapple and, and choke out guys more because of that? Or, like, do you not care? Or do uh, you, like, just like Conor McGregor? Or does that – not even play into the it plays into it definitely i definitely tend to have i tend to lean more towards the grapplers because that's what i'm more familiar with i'm more familiar with the intricacies and nuances that comes with fighting on the ground when grappling and ground and pound and submissions and ground fighting and all of that fun stuff i'm a little bit less intelligent you know about striking and the setups and the angles that you're using and the different how the different footwork sets up the different hand techniques and all of that fun stuff. But I do definitely lean towards the grapplers, yes. So so uh, if you had to guess, who are, first of all, who are you rooting for? And then oh. who, do you think, who do you think is going to win? I'm rooting for <clears> – <throat> this is tough. I'm still trying to determine because I like and dislike both guys for, for differing reasons. But I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for it. I think I – think, uh, I'm going to go for Khabib Nurmagomedov to win just because I like his style more. I like his abil- takedown ability. I think he's better for the sport in the sense that he's fighting more often. He fights two, three times a year. Conor McGregor, he's at the point where he's such a big name that he only has to fight once a year, maybe once every two years, and he brings in a fat check that he needs. So I kind of want Khabib to win just to keep that division healthy and to keep the turnover healthy. But I think if you if I had to bet, I think Conor McGregor is going to put his lights out in the first or second round when uh, when Khabib Nurmagomedov tries to close the distance. When he closes the distance, he tends to leave his chin up and he tends to have a square stance, which is really easy pickings for the top strikers. And the reason why he has that square stance, Khabib, is because is it sets up his takedowns a lot better. But the bad thing is that it sets him up to get take punches to the chin, basically. He eats a lot of punches on his way into the takedowns. And against Connor, you can't do that at all. And you got you guys got the full the full download of what's going to go on here look from the man who knows uh john we got to talk about we got to get into your whole jiu-jitsu background at some point too we'll do that at some point we'll get a whole nerd alert just just you talking about making 
human beings uh, want to give up. Oh yeah, that's uh, fun. <clears throat> yeah, oh, fun. You, that's highly a, that's, recommend it for anybody else that, that, that wants that's to a do that. Fun. That's an interesting way of describing fun. <laughs> okay, uh, guys, make sure you follow me on Twitter at McCoolBCP. Make sure you're following Joning as well at, at John Owning at j-o-h-n-o-w-n-i-n-g make sure you're following at best coast boys uh, that's best coast boys with a z instead of an s at the end special thanks as always to mike fisher at, at fish sports make sure you're following him uh catch us and mike and all the great stuff going on at cowboys 24 7 uh, that's 247sports.com forward slash nfl forward slash dallas dash cowboys or you can download the Cowboy Sports Radio app on your phone for iOS, iPhone, and Google Play slash Android. Uh, we should, we should, we should be on iTunes by the time you hear my voice right now. I'm, I'm hoping, fingers crossed, it's getting done. I know I made a lot of promises along those lines, uh, but uh, we are working towards it. I promise you, uh, guys, enjoy the game. Uh, make sure. Uh, I mean, listen, it's been so long since we got anybody. To wear a Cowboys uniform in a game, preseason or otherwise. So enjoy it. You know, don't let all those people talk about, oh, it's preseason. You know, like, if you're going to enjoy it, enjoy it. All right. If you listen to this podcast, you're the kind of person who enjoys preseason games anyway. So uh, until next time, happy trails, everybody. Peace.